This podcast is brought to you by Viking Capital, your best friend in swimming pool financing for over 20 years. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Chuck Bauman, owner of Creator Environments, a veteran who's nearly omnipresent in the pool industry. We're thrilled to have you here with us today on, on the show. Hi, everybody. Um, glad to be here, Joe, and uh, look forward to what I can do to help enlighten others. Great. Hey, Chuck, I know you and your family have been in the pool industry a really long time. Why don't you tell our listeners about how you first got your start in the pool industry and a little bit more about what Creative Environments does down there in Alamo, California? Great. I'm more than happy to. I love telling um, the history behind my family of uh, being involved in the swimming pool industry. My father and his brother decided back in 1955 that there was this up-and-coming industry in our part of the country here in the East Bay of San Francisco, and the two of them decided to start a swimming pool company. That turned into their partnership not lasting very long because they had different ideas of where they wanted to go. And each of them then created their own individual pool companies. Uh, My dad went on to have a retail store. He did service repair and pool construction. He was one of the first contractors in our area to start building swimming pools. He then got my mother's brother involved in the pool industry. And at one time in a little town of Lafayette, we had actually three family relatives that each had their own pool company. I went on uh, when I was uh, five years old, starting to kind of hang out with my dad and learn the industry. When I was 16, I decided to start my very first pool company and it was servicing and cleaning swimming pools, uh, much like kids of my age had paper routes or mowed lawns. I went and serviced swimming pools and, and kind of learned from the ground up. The same time I was working with my dad in his retail store, as I graduated from high school, I went on to work with his brother in his retail store and ultimately my mom's brother and became partners with him in that pool company till 1979, when I decided to start my second pool company, which is Creative Environments. At the time of creating that pool company, there really wasn't any swimming pool contractor that was thinking of anything in the yard beyond the swimming pool. That was their dog in the fight. And for me, I realized it was all about the entertainment and about the lifestyle that having a swimming pool in the backyard created for folks. And so the name Creative Environments really didn't nail down that I built swimming pools. It made kind of the statement that we were involved in all the different micro environments in the backyard. And from day one, I went out and I found myself landscape designers to team up with. And again, this is 42 years ago, so it was pretty revolutionary at the time. Instead of a salesman taking out a template and plopping it in the backyard, in somebody's backyard, we started thinking about how the patio interacted with the pool and what other elements such as sunning deck areas or 
fire pits or pavilions, how all of that interacted in the backyard to the lifestyle of what this client was. We have gone on since that time period. I've built about 1,500 swimming pools or backyards. No two have been the same. Each one is uniquely different because you have uniquely different clients and settings and topography to work around. The pools of the era of my father's day were all one-dimensional. They were all flat. There was no raised-up portions. There were no water features that incorporated sound and texture and lighting into the pool. Along comes my era of pool builders, and we started really pushing the envelope and raising the bar and the construction techniques, raising the bar and designs What's really unique about our company, Creative Environments, is now my youngest son, Nico, who's going to be 28 here in about another month, is now that next generation that gets to build upon what others before him have created. In our family dynamic, it's my father and uncles that really kind of scratched the surface and started the pool industry to what it is today than my generation of adding that much more to it. And I'm watching what Nico is building now. He runs all of our construction. He's one of the finest builders I've ran across in a long time. It's wonderful to be able to see the legacy being passed on to him. He um, He's partners with me in the company now. He associates with all the top designers that are in our industry, whether it's um, the Genesis uh, educational kind of programs or other educational programs. I happen to be a board member and a longtime member of the CareCraft Pool Building Guild and Buying Group, of which each year when we get together, we have training classes for education. And Nico's always been in the front row seat, being embraced by other pool contractors of my age as the next generation to take our industry to even a higher level. Hey, Chuck, I know that pools were different back then. Vessels were different back then, back in the uh, the 70s when you got your start. Wasn't that right? I mean, pretty much uh, pool design and construction was a luxury kind of reserved for the elite. And uh, your generation really helped usher in that uh, era as uh, having a pool as a lifestyle in the Bay Area. Yes. To answer your question directly, it is part of the evolution. And I really have studied the evolution of what started, what, why did our industry take off as it did? What was the spark, so to speak? And how did that get built upon? When was there a shift from building just a straightforward standard template pool to a unique one-of-a-kind type of design? And if I could take just a moment to step back the, the real history seemed to have started right after World War II, which was in the late 40s. And ironically, here in the Bay Area, we have the Donald uh, Ranch Pool that was created by a very famous landscape architect, Thomas Church. And this pool is very simplistic in its design, very one elevation, diving board on it, kind of an amoebic uh, kidney-shaped design. 
From there, a lot of pools during the 50s modeled themselves after it. My dad's company was instrumental in, in actually having a part in that design. And then as we evolved into the 60s, here specifically in California, the California market exploded. Southern California was a lot of volume kind of builders, the Anthony Pools and Royal Pools and Sunset kind of pools. They migrated into Northern California and we started seeing a tremendous amount of that influence, very straight production kind of swimming pools. As people started seeing those type of pools being constructed, they wanted to build upon it. And you're correct. It was an affluency. Truly, the pool was a status symbol. Look at me. I've been successful enough. I want to honor myself and my family by building a swimming pool. That then created in the 70s, more of a unique individuality of the swimming pool. It wasn't just a template that you could see on every street corner. It was something that was special for me. And so us earlier designers, and there's there's a handful of us that are still in business today that have influenced our industry. We looked at the architecture of the home. We looked at the existing landscaping. We looked at the lay of the land, the topography. And we started really analyzing that as to how we could complement the swimming pool to the house and to the lifestyle of the people that lived in that home. No, one thing you were talking to me about before really resonated with me. And that was, you know, just validating your achievement in life that you're being able to uh, build a pool, provide that kind of creature comfort for your family and your friends. That's something that's been the driving force of why in-ground pools are going in the ground probably for the last 30, 40 years. But with COVID-19, that has definitely changed. I mean, that, that validation story is still true, but now it's more like people look at it as a necessity just because because they're confined to the house and they can't travel. And you know, there's so many limited options of what you can do with your family, you know? You hit on a very good and sensitive nerve. Uh, those of us that have been building swimming pools come upon this era of COVID and how that dynamic has changed our business model changed it insofar as amplified the amount of work and the lead flows and the interest in the product that we build. I think it's always been there. The interest has always been there. When I study the demographics of who buys a swimming pool from my company in our industry, you know, there's a particular age group that would be a standard pigeonhole age group of people being in their late 30s to early 50s with a family with kids ranging from 5 to 15 years old. That's always been the standard because those are active people. The traveling is part of their experience. And then they come home and they have this beautiful recreation oasis entertainment area in their backyard. How did COVID interact and, and affect that has been people realize, well, we're not going to get on a plane and fly someplace 
And so let's develop our recreation, let's develop our oasis, our resort, if you will, in our backyard, which is why the pool is only one part of the puzzle that goes together as we develop this backyard for people. A pavilion has been a huge addition to the swimming pool. And that pavilion has a fireplace, a TV, a bar, a wet bar, a closed in shaded area, but yet open on all four sides. The fire pit added to the swimming pool adds to that entertainment that is one more dimension. And again, because people aren't traveling like they were, they're building whatever they want to have as a resort in their backyard, Joe. It's been phenomenal for me to sit and watch where our project, I love telling this story if you bear with me. My dad's average pool was $2,000 when he built his pools back in the 50s and early 60s. My average pool is north of 200000 and the projects that we're building, the backyards with the pavilion and the landscape and the lighting and the fire pits and the bocce courts and you name it, are in excess of a million dollars. You can't get a couple of ledge loungers now for $2,000. <laughs> I mean, it, Joe, it boggles my mind. Yeah, things cost differently today than in my dad's era, but the opportunities are far greater for those of us that build and design swimming pools to take clients to a whole different level. And it didn't start yesterday. It started back in the 50s and the 60s, and each layer has been built upon as each year progresses and as we expand upon our industry. I remember a very close friend of mine, uh, Vance Gillette, who used to get up in front of our industry at various conventions and speak. It's all about the, the entertainment. It's I've seen Vance speak. He's great. Yeah. I mean, we were all stuck in the industry about competing against the pool builder down the road. And that's not our competition. Our competition is the travel industry. It's people going on vacation outside of their property. I have to take my hat or tip my hat to Vance because he really was a front runner that inspired a lot of people like myself to start thinking outside the box and take our designs to a much higher level. And Joe, there's no end in sight. I gave a talk a few years ago at a PACE meeting um, in uh, Arizona about what I saw as the next emerging market. And I sat down one day and I said, you know, at some point we're going to run out of backyards to build swimming pools. People are just going to say, I got a pool, what the hell I need another pool for? Well, that isn't the case of today, we will build probably 20 plus swimming pools this season. Half of those pools already have a swimming pool in the backyard. Right. Now you see, you say, wait, 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 back up the bus here a little bit. Are we now building two pools in the same yard? No. What we're doing is we're taking out those pools of the 50s and the 60s that were poorly designed, that really didn't have a lot of thought process into how you entertained and enjoyed the backyard, and were literally tearing them out, jackhammering them out, and now redesigning the entire backyard with multi-million dollar experience for people to have in their backyards. I mean, you've been doing this for quite a while. I mean, have you ever seen such a environment where there's less competition for discretionary dollars than there has been in the last few years? 
competition for it, meaning against other pool builders or against other entertainers? This goes back to what you were talking about before. I mean, pools have always been going heads up against RVs, against luxury destination vacations, boats, things of that nature. I mean, all of that stuff has gone by the wayside. I mean, it's just been pools in the spotlight the last two years. Yes. I think we've been very fortunate to be the recipient of all those entertainment discretionary dollars. The majority of it has been going into the investment of people's homes. My particular market here in the Bay Area, as I drive around, we're seeing homes that are being added to or completely wiped wiped off the uh, property and new homes of larger stature being built. And with those large homes comes the larger swimming pool entertainment area. So yeah, as an industry, we have been very fortunate. I think it behooves all of us that are participants in our craft to make sure that we keep the momentum going, that we perpetuate that. And how do you do that? You do that by being professional at your craft and honoring your craft. I personally, I belong to a lot of different uh, associations and groups within our industry to constantly add to, not take away. It's easy to go out and say, I'm a pool builder and now I'm going to go build a pool because the market's hot right now. What we really need to do is be as professional as we can be. And that professionalism is what's going to perpetuate our industry and keep it going in the right direction for my son and his generation that are going to take it to the next level. I agree with you. I mean, the pool industry has its shot. I mean, really right now is the best time for the industry as a whole to make consumers see that, you know, we have the best product. All right. This is a product that provides years of enjoyment, whether you're in a, a pandemic situation or not, your, your family's going to love the backyard every day. And I mean, it's really about telling that story and reinforcing that with consumers. Wouldn't you say? You know, I'm going to tell you, Joe, I consider myself a goodwill ambassador to the industry. After being in it for 66 years, I've had a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. I get calls on almost a daily basis in not just my little market wanting to build a swimming pool, clients wanting to build a swimming pool, but throughout Northern California. And in some cases, I've even had it throughout the United States. And I will take the time, whether it's somebody I'm going to build for or not, I will take the time and walk them through the experience of building a pool and designing a yard and what would be the best path for them to travel on. And I may take 15 minutes to a half an hour to talk to some folks that I know I'm never going to build for. But what that does is that perpetuates our industry. The goodwill ambassadorship that I provide makes it easy for my competitors that I send those businesses to, those leads And well, listen, you're up in the Sacramento market. We don't service that. But here's the name of a couple of really good citizens that operate in that market you might want to give a call to. And here's how I would proceed in your design process so that you can build the best pool and the best backyard you could have. I think even no matter what our intentions are as an industry, Chuck, you know, I mean, we will have the best intentions of helping the consumers out and 
building them a great backyard environment. All right. But honestly, you know, guys are falling behind on jobs simply because the materials aren't there to put into the pools. You know, you're a, got a lot of customers that, you know, yeah, we have all this goodwill about the pool industry right now and people wanting ground pools. But in the same token, you know, you get customers who are getting extremely frustrated because the process is taking so long. And because you're in aircraft, I'm sure you see like, you know, the, the struggles the industry is facing just getting these materials, you know? It has been challenging, but Joe, I'm going to tell you every single season has its challenges. If it's not cement, if it's not this, if it's the pebble finishes you can't get, if it's steel that the price is going up or fuel crisis or interest rates, our industry has always been poked at and prodded at every single season. That's just the nature of it. What adds to my excitement is those challenges. You know, I don't want to go out every day and hike on a flat trail. I want to climb up mountains and hike down into the valleys. I want to be challenged every chance that I can. So yes, right now this season, because of COVID, we didn't get a lot of materials in the pipeline that got used up immediately. We've had conditions in Texas because of the freeze that destroyed a lot of swimming pools that are all having to be rebuilt. And we can't perform at a fast enough and a high enough level to satisfy all the demands that are in the market. The best that I do for my company is I have that storyline. I tell clients, listen, we're in a pretty unique situation right now today, and you can't expect this project to just unfold in front of you and every day somebody's going to be here performing. It's not going to happen. We just don't have the manpower or the materials. Being part of CareCraft has enabled me to stockpile early on this winter before we realized what was happening, but I have a pretty good inventory of equipment for my pools. You know, I think, Joe, staying connected to other people that are within the industry, I network every day. I'm constantly communicating with other builders around the country. What's going on in your market? What are you experiencing? That gets back to that whole professionalism of who we are as an industry and each individual company. If we reach out and stay in touch with our industry, we are going to be that much stronger. And right now, Yes, we're in an anomaly. We're in a really unique condition. Someday it may go away and, and we'll all be looking back going, geez, wasn't that the greatest time ever? Yeah, we probably will. But at the same time, we still need to march forward. I'm going to tell you another little secret, Joe, that I always talk to uh, other builders about. And that is that every year I kind of set my company up to go to the World Series. And I, I sit down in January and I talk to everybody and I let them know that no one player on the team is of any greater value than the other. Right down from the boss to, you know, to the guy that has to dig the ditch. Everybody has an important part of that. And I want to go to the World Series. And one of the ways that we're going to get to the World Series is to kind of polish us up as a company 
kind of recreate ourselves, much like going down in any major city and seeing a department store. They have the window dressing, and that window dressing gets freshened up constantly. So it's really important as an individual company that we don't get complacent and say, you know what, we're going to do business as usual, and it's all going to come through the front door, and aren't we going to be fortunate? No, it doesn't work that way. It goes to the guy that is the best dressed, the most aggressive, that is staying on top of his craft, being as professional as he can be. And that's the guy that's going to get the business. And the guy that accepts it as just the way it's always going to be is the guy that slowly gets outdated and, and goes away. Wow, these are good values, man. I mean, I, the stuff I hear coming out of your mouth is stuff that I hear like the top guys in the industry talking about, man. So, I mean... If this is what you're teaching Nico, you know, while you got him under your wing, man, I'm sure he's learning good lessons, man. I really laugh. When he was growing up, he was involved in a lot of sports activities, long distance running and so forth. So he had a really conditioned mind. He went off to college and... um, Yeah, he was in neuroscience, right? He has a degree in neuroscience. And it's like, whoa, 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 wait, stop the bus here. You got What? I yeah. have four, four that, kids. That, bl- that blew my mind. I was like, how did this guy get chlorine in his blood? How do you make that leap? He, he got out of college and he started opening up the doors to get into the neuroscience. And he realized it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. And the whole time his mom would tell me, don't you dare get him in the pool industry. Let him go his direction he wants to go. And he came back around and he was very deflated. And I said, listen, um, let's get you some experience. You can come and help me build pools for a season. And, you know, at least it'll put some money in your pocket. And he started circulating around and meeting the different builders of my generation. And every single one kind of took him under their wing and and have been coaching him and he absolutely loves the industry he found the passion which is a really important part of what we do to have passion about building swimming pools and designing swimming pools and not get hung up on how much money am i going to make out of this because the money comes when you have the passion And Nico is just every time we go to a meeting, a seminar or whatever, I kind of stand back a little bit and let him take charge and command of the room. And and he's just a very personable, extremely knowledgeable young man who has been traveling the world. And God, I I love the kid. He's a great kid. Yeah, well, I'm a dad of six, so I know how gratifying it is to see your kids, you know, just kind of slip into that mantle and role that you create for them, you know? Well, congratulations to you too. And, you know, there's nothing more satisfying watching your kids get up on the edge of that nest and start fluttering their wings a little bit and jump off into the abyss. And then all of a sudden you look up and they're soaring like an eagle. Absolutely. Very, very fortunate. So, I mean, what are you guys doing right now, Chuck? I mean, basically to keep up with all the demand that the industry is, is seeing. I mean, we touched on your involvement with Carecraft, and I'd just like to circle back to that for just a moment. I mean, basically, you've been watching the media. You've been reading the Facebook groups. I mean, you see what guys are posting, you know, like they can't get their hands on materials. And you're in the trenches. I mean, you see what's going on on a daily basis, day in, day out. 
I mean, do you see this industry leveling out this year? I mean, 2022 is, is supposed to be, you know, a, another repeat of this year in, in terms of demand of all the, the people that couldn't get their pools built. I mean, we may be seeing, you know, a, a demand that's like, you know, a three-year uh, cycle of this stuff before it tapers off. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, I, um, insofar as our involvement with a buying group of CareCraft, uh, that gives me a little bit of an edge of forecasting better, and it forces me to forecast before any of this started coming about. And my purchasing is, I'm making large quantity purchases for four months from now, six months from now. So that's been a, an added layer advantage to me versus maybe my competition down the road that goes to local distribution and buys one pump or one heater that may or may not be an in inventory. Because, you know, how long is this run going to last? Is it going to be next year, the following year? You're dealing with it personally as a company right now. I, a long time ago, decided that we were only going to build so many projects a year. Now, I'm going to tell you that the dollar volume of those projects is at least double what we did last year. So from that standpoint, that's been a positive increase in the cash flow. But I always looked at my pool company as that little mom and pop Italian restaurant down the street in the center of town. And that particular mom and pop restaurant worked really, really well because mom did all the cooking in the back room and dad was always out greeting everybody as they came in and sat them down and he came back around and poured them a glass of wine and they really felt comfortable doing business and eating and dining out at that restaurant. The problem comes as we want to grow our business and we're seeing the success. The problem is, is that now all of a sudden the mom and pop blows the walls out to the, the space next door to them and they double their capacity and they, they think, holy smokes, we're going to make double the money. And the charm and the character that got them where they were is lost. The essence of that is lost because they started getting big itis and expanding. So for us as a company, how do we handle those lead flows and those jobs that are coming in that people want instant satisfaction today? And I immediately set them down and say, if you're looking for production, we're not that company. There's others in the market that I'll be happy to steer you to. If you want something that's custom built, we're already sold out for this year. We're committed. I've got jobs planned into December. However, We'll be happy to move you into next year. We'll start the design process today and we'll put you on the list for building your pool next spring. And Joe, I, I, you would be amazed at the number of people that are throwing money at us saying, here's my deposit. We want to be on the pool for next year because we want you to build. And I think that speaks to the quality and the integrity of what our company represents that really creates a, a bigger demand for the products that we build. If you can give it all away and you want to mass produce and build hundreds of these things, that's fine. And that works in your market and my market being very personalized and limited is a more valuable thing. I, 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 I think what you're doing is fantastic. 
Chuck. I mean, honestly, you know, California has the best laws when it comes to that. I mean, because a builder can only take like, what is it, like a thousand dollars down as a deposit on any given job. Yeah. But yeah, Florida, Texas, those those guys, you know, it's kind of a different deal down there. And I know that a lot of those guys are falling behind on jobs simply because, you know, they've oversold, they've overpromised and underdelivered, and uh, customers are getting aggravated, you know what you're doing so far as like telling customers and setting expectations with them and saying, Hey, you know, you can't dig your pool this year, but you know, we'll take a deposit for you and we'll put you on the, uh, the list for next year's build is the most responsible way to do it. But, you know, taking uh 75% of and front loading uh, uh, all of this, this money from a job that you don't even intend on building for another year. is just blowing people's minds, you know? What happens, Joe, and we're seeing that, I mean, you're, very much in touch with your business. The internet is a two-edged sword. It'll cut both ways. And you really need to be careful of your position and your exposure within the internet. If you watch that very closely and you're concerned of what other people are saying about you and posting on the internet, that works to your advantage if you're not paying attention to it and you're out not following up on what you said you were going to do that word is going to travel much much faster and it'll cut you coming back the other way as hard as we can we work at this on a daily basis making sure that customer satisfaction is right up there and that we constantly make sure that you know we don't overcommit and under deliver absolutely Chuck. Well, listen, I appreciate you getting together with me today to talk shop and uh, giving us a little bit of insight into your history in the pool industry. I mean, I thought that this was a great conversation. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for asking me. I'm happy to help and add to whatever it is that you're doing to help promote our industry. And please feel free anytime to call me back uh, if you want to talk about individual projects that we're doing. We have a lot of fun stuff that Nico uh, has got his hand on. Absolutely, Chuck. That's all the time we have today. A big thank you to our sponsors, Viking Capital. They're partnering with pool builders to get homeowners the financing they need in real time and helping them close more pool sales. Make sure to subscribe and join us next time on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast.